Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Thursday. It's Mike Opelka back on the Pure Opelka podcast. I've been busy. I've been doing radio all over the place, Philadelphia, Minnesota, and now back here on the podcast. Thank you for your patience. If you follow me on Twitter and Facebook, you could have listened in the last few days, and it's kind of difficult to do the podcast and a radio show on the same day, so I apologize. If I had a big staff supporting me, I'd be able to do more, but it's just me. I'm a one-man band. I'm just one guy trying to get things done, but I will make the effort. I'll try and do more, and uh, especially as we get deeper and deeper into multiple crises that we are seeing, multiple crises. Uh, Of course, we have Title 42 expiring today, going to be an absolute mess at the border created by this administration. You have the aftermath of Donald John Trump and the CNN town hall. If you didn't watch it, I did. And if you did watch it, maybe I've seen something you didn't see. So we'll compare notes on that. I also have uh, some crazy clips from the press event held yesterday. James Comer on the oversight committee and the members of the oversight committee on the GOP side were out there presenting their information. And it's stunning that so many news outlets mainstream meaning the left side, news outlets aren't paying any attention to this. CNN and MSNBC did not cover it. The Washington Post has not one word about it. The Washington Times, meanwhile, has several stories on it, as they should. The New York Times is basically glossing over it. So you had a major event happen yesterday in the world of politics involving the president of the United States allegations of bad criminal behavior when he was vice president and nobody in the Washington Post is interested. I wonder why we go back to that great power of the media, the power to ignore. So we'll get into that. We, we have um, a few other crazy stories to get to as well, kind of weird stories. And there's a whole bunch of curious celebrity stories out there. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, the, um, Jamie Foxx story is worrisome. What happened to Jamie Foxx? We don't know. His family keeps asking for prayers. Action hero Dolph Lundgren, a guy who had quite a career in, in films, just told everybody yesterday he's been fighting cancer for eight years. So maybe say a prayer for him and uh, beloved soap star, Jackie Zeman passed away at just 70 years old. So there's a bunch of weird showbiz stories out there. And Whoopi Goldberg said something we didn't need to hear. Yesterday, Whoopi Goldberg told us a secret. The Washington Post wrote about what they call the next great travel debate. How much underwear do you take when you pack? People apparently had really strong opinions. (laughs) Now, I got to stop before I get to the secret. Whoopi told us the Washington Post is covering how much underwear you should pack, but not a single word about the oversight committee hearing and the evidence that they put forth showing that the Biden crime family is a real thing. And they were going to great lengths to cover up millions and millions of dollars that they got for doing God knows what with some pretty evil adversaries. But uh, go ahead, Whoopi. I continue uh, to interrupt you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't wear underwear. Oh. so It's not a question I have to think. No, no, it's not a question you have to think about. It. It's not something we needed to think about. <sighs> Celebrities, they just think we need to know everything about them. And we don't. Uh, we have some uh, woke news to get to as well. Dylan Mulvaney, the person who pretends to be a woman and gets all kinds of money from companies that think they're going to be woke and then cause the Bud Light fiasco, which has cost Anheuser-Busch And Bud Light, a whole bunch of money, like a lot of money. A major bank downgraded the stock status of Anheuser-Busch over the Bud Light and sales drop, the Bud Light controversy and the sales drop. And now Dylan Mulvaney wants us all to believe that he, she, whatever, can't sleep because of the demise of Bud Light. And you know what I smell? I smell some sleep company some mattress company, some drug company is going to come in and say, oh, we can help you sleep. 
if it happens, we need to have another avoidance of purchase of a product. If any product comes in and supports Dylan Mulvaney saying, oh, we're going to help you sleep, I guarantee you there will be an outcry equal to that of Bud Light. Absolutely huge outcry. Uh, We can't let the insanity continue to happen, even though the left wants it to continue to happen. I will not stand idly by, and I'm sure you will not too. Uh, All right, let's get to the announcement yesterday, the the James Comer event, which I tuned in and watched the entire thing. And I was fascinated by, by, by this. I was fascinated that Comer was actually going to deliver. He'd been telling us for weeks and weeks and weeks that he had the goods, almost kind of like sounded like he was going to release the Kraken. Remember that? Yeah, we never got the Kraken. I'm hoping we got the Kraken. And I know some of my um, conservative counterparts on talk radio don't think they got much out of this. I think there was a considerable amount of damning information that if we had a Justice Department, if we had a DOJ, if we had an attorney general who would actually follow criminal behavior, that there would be indictments everywhere. Yesterday, uh, James Comer, Jim Comer, talking about the um, legitimate businesses. Were there legitimate businesses tied up with the Bidens? If these were legitimate payments, and those are legitimate businesses that your family created, then I would assume you have invoices. I would assume that you would have uh, bank, you know, uh, books and, and business models and, and things like that to tell us what the what the businesses actually were. And uh, I think that's something. If I instead of just attacking us for having the audacity to investigate this and be tr- as transparent as we can possibly be with the with the media, then then maybe he should answer questions as to what exactly his family did to receive this money and why so many of his family members received money. I don't think that's normal behavior. I don't think the person watching this on C-SPAN who's struggling to work uh, over 40 hours a week, pay their bills, I don't think their family members get wires from, uh, from adversaries around the world. So I think the American people understand that this stinks, and I think they appreciate what we're doing here. I hope so. The mainstream media doesn't appreciate it. Comer continued to talk about the family members and uh, presidential family members from the past who may have had similar questions raised about them, and there were huge investigations. He went all the way back to Jimmy Carter. If you go back to Jimmy Carter's brother, Billy Carter receiving money from Libya. This has been a pattern for a long time. Republicans and Democrats have both complained about presidents' families receiving money. But the way that the Bidens have set this up, you know, there's no business. President Carter's brother got the money directly from Libya. I've already reviewed that. And Joe Biden, ironically, was on the committee that investigated hmm. President Carter's brother when, when that took place. The, uh, the president, former President Trump's son-in-law had some business deals, right? As Byron Donald said, we know what his businesses were. I'm not saying whether I agreed with what he did or not, but I actually know what his businesses are. What are the Biden businesses? That's the question. What business? What we read in the press about, well, these were legitimate business deals that were done after Joe Biden was president. That's not true. These were set up when Joe Biden was vice president. Most of them were set up when Joe Biden was vice president. In fact, Comer had the goods on that, too. He has the actual receipts from the banks and from the uh, establishment of the LLCs. Those results from four banks. We believe there are 12 banks. So right now, you could say that uh, we're in the, the beginning stages of this investigation. But many of you wrote, I read your stories, many of you wrote, not the New York Post, but many of you wrote that, we would never get access to bank records because that's what the White House told you. And they said we'd never have access to the Treasury because that's what the White House and Jamie Raskin told you. But we have the bank records. We're going to get more bank records. We just got the bank records from going through the associates. We knew there were people that were wiring money, that were accepting the initial payments from, from our adversaries around the world. And then they were funneling the money to the Bidens through various LLCs. So we got the bank records through the back door. And 
we can tell you from the, the people that we're meeting with that were involved with uh, many of the, the schemes that uh, we're pretty confident that the president uh, was very knowledgeable of what his family was doing. You've seen pictures with these people. Uh, you've seen meetings. You've seen instances where the president took his son on trips during the last year of his vice presidency. And every account prior to today said, but none of those transactions happened while he was vice president. Uh, we just laid out that 16 of the 17 payments to the Bidens from Romania occurred while Joe Biden was vice president. 16 of the 17 payments made from a Romanian businessman with ties to the corrupt government of Romania were made when Joe Biden was the vice president of the United States. And oddly enough, we went back and looked at the, uh, the old tapes. Joe Biden was in Romania. Joe Biden went to Romania and made a speech to a bunch of Romanians about corruption and how bad corruption was for democracy. Corruption is just another form of tyranny. Now, interesting, he said that. Uh, listen to this. This is from Joe Biden's era as vice president. I think it was 2015 or 2016. Uh, and uh, as he was leaving the White House. So he's currently the vice president. He sounds a lot more coherent, doesn't he? But he's talking about corruption being tyrannical. When politicians can be bought, when courts can be manipulated, when the media becomes a tool of propaganda. Huh, so courts, politicians, and the media, when they can be bought and manipulated, uh, that's a problem. Gee, I, I don't see any parallel to today except for everything's a parallel to today. There you will find a society that is susceptible to manipulation from the outside. Yeah. Same thing here. Courts weaponized by this administration. Politicians able to be bought 16 of the 17 wire transfers during Joe's term as vice president from Romania. 16 of the 17. Joe had more to say to the Romanians. Remember, he's lecturing as he's VP while this money train is flowing into various members of the family. Corruption is a cancer, a cancer that eats away at a citizen's faith in democracy. Yeah, I think you've accomplished that, sir. You've accomplished that absolutely spot on. Uh, and how many members of the evil global community were part of this? Comer talked about that, too. We've never seen a presidential family receive these sums of money from adversaries around the world. And we're just talking about a couple of countries today. I mean, if, if, if you look at the, the countries that this family was influence peddling in, China's probably the most reputable country on the list, mm. if that tells you anything. So I, I think we're making a lot of progress in less than 100 days. One difference between us and the, and the work that the Senate did is we have subpoena power and we got the bank records. I hope so. I hope the mainstream media finally wakes up to this because when you hear the list of Biden family members who were wire transferred money to their accounts, this is stunning. These are Biden family members who were part of this $10 million, and that's the bottom line, $10 million, probably going even higher, money train. It's stunning. Joe Biden's son. Joe Biden's brother, Joe Biden's brother's wife, Hunter Biden's girlfriend or Bo Biden's widow, however you want it to write that, Hunter Biden's ex-wife, Hunter Biden's current wife, and three children of the president's son and the president's brother. Hmm. So we're talking about grandchildren. A grandchild? That's odd. Most people that work hard every day's grandchild doesn't get a wire from a foreign national or anything like that. Just absolutely jaw-dropping and not one word in the Washington Post today. And it's not like it was a late-night story. It happened during the 9 o'clock hour on the East Coast yesterday. 
You think they're avoiding this for a reason? I do. Florida Congressman Byron Donalds was also a rock star at yesterday's press event. Uh, He's a guy I think the world of. I've watched him, and I think he's uh, one of the future rising stars in the party. And he was talking directly to the press when he told them, hey, what are you doing? Uh, First, what we're seeing here, what we're witnessing with uh, the Biden family, frankly, is just a web of concealment, of deception. A lot of people would say corruption. But let's be very clear. You have this many companies involved with this velocity of transactions, size of transactions. Like my colleagues have said, this is not how normal businesses operate. Um, I had the ability uh, with Chairman Comer and other members of the committee to go over to the Treasury building and review documents. And having read those documents, one thing is became pretty crystal clear that there were many people who had serious questions about the transactions and about the velocity of these transactions. And they either get very, very, very deep into concealment, hiding money, shifting money, um, And for the purpose, we don't know, because one thing everybody in this room and the American people definitely know is that the Biden family doesn't really have a business. There is no business structure around this family except politics. And since Joe Biden has spent decades in the Senate, served eight years as vice president and is now president of the United States, and the family's getting money from various countries and foreign businesses through various shell companies and this web of LLCs. I mean, guys, you in the press, this is easy pickings. I'm giving you Pulitzer stuff here. Yeah, but they would have to actually do investigative journalism and report on it to get those Pulitzers. And will the Pulitzer Prize Committee even recognize this kind of journalism? I doubt it because it shows a... Biden crime family. Byron Donalds talked about those 16 companies which were meant to obviously conceal money. We have now been able to clearly see that the Biden's associates like Rob Walker, Eric Sherman, has been discussed, created at least 16 companies while Joe Biden was vice president of the United States. 16 companies. Think about it. Joe was always telling us he had no idea what was going on with his kid, and it never happened while he was vice president. Now we know better. 16 companies created while he was vice president. Now the list is 20, and as we continue our investigation, that list is growing. And where is the investigation from the IRS? Where is the investigation from the DOJ? Where is the FBI? And like I said before, the question is to serve what purpose? And the purpose of all these companies being created is to conceal money that the Biden family has been gaining because Joe Biden has been sitting at the upper echelon of our politics for almost five decades. That is the entire purpose here. Here's an example of what I mean. You have Rosemont Seneca Partners. Rosemont Seneca Advisors, Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners, RSP Holdings, RSTP2 Alpha, RSTP2 Bravo, Rosemont Seneca Thornton, Rosemont Seneca Bohai. I want to make sure I pronounce it right. Bohai, B-O-H-A-I. And the list goes on and on. Cycling through this many companies serves no legitimate purpose. Correct. Cycling through this many companies serves no legitimate purpose. Byron Donalds knows what he's talking about. He absolutely does. He came out of the financial world. And as somebody who actually worked in banking, I did that long before I came here. Whenever there was like this many companies just laying all over the place and you see wire transfers and cashier checks over here going to random members of the family for no apparent purpose at the size and velocity at which all of this was being conducted, the only logical conclusion of a financial professional is you are concealing money. Let me restate this. You are concealing money from either the IRS or from credit agencies or from other people in general. Hmm. Sounds reasonable to me. And as far as uh, Joe Biden being corrupt for decades, back in 1972 as a young senator, he basically hinted that that was a strong possibility. Senator Biden, it's nice to have you here as the youngest member of the Senate 
the one, therefore, who may expect the longest career there. I wonder if you'd say to us, since it's clear that you're not corrupt and you got elected, why should people think that the system produces corrupt results when there you are? Well, I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt, but I'm thank you for that, though. I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt. 1972, he was laughing at us back then. Byron Downs, let's get back to Byron Downs. He had more to say. Nobody in this room can logically sit here and say that the president of the United States had no idea that these companies were being formed while he was vice president of the United States. And I will add you, he was probably in better mental shape then than he is today. You know, I'll throw that out there. Yeah, I agree. He was in better mental shape because every day is his best day and it gets worse the next day. But here's here's Byron Downs with his uh, bottom line to all of this. Bottom line is there is no real business here. None. And let me also say this, because I know there are many in this room who wanted to go down all the various um, uh, schemes that our colleagues on the other side of the aisle accused the former president of. Be very clear. The former president actually had a business, very big business. You could say it was his name. You could say it was his buildings. You could say it was wine. You could say it was branding. You could say it was The Apprentice. But he had a very big and legitimate business, which everybody in this room clearly knows and understands and can point to and say, ah, that's the thing, that thing over there. Joe Biden has no business except his position in politics. And it is the requirement of this committee to investigate that. We're going to continue to do that, and we're going to let the facts speak for themselves. If only the FBI would jump up. I know Congresswoman Nancy Mace actually said the FBI needs to get off its ass. She was right. Congressman Jim Jordan popped in, too, because he had a few things to uh, throw out to this press event. Why not just come clean? Mm -hmm. Why not just be honest with us? Why not tell us the truth? But I would tell you this. I think it's a pattern with this administration. They haven't been square with us, straight with us, straight with the American people about anything. Bingo. They, told, they tell us the border is secure. We know it isn't. They tell us our debt ceiling bill is going to hurt veterans. No, it doesn't. Joe Biden said during the campaign that the letter from 51 former intel officials when he used it in the debate, he portrayed it as if it was organic. And we now know through another investigation that we're all working on. That, in fact, it was coordinated. That letter from 51 former intel officials was coordinated with the Biden campaign. So much so, the Biden campaign told Mike Morrell, here's the journalist. We want you to have uh, the story to the letter to first. Why not just be straight with us? Why not come clean? Why not tell us the truth? Tell the American people the truth. They deserve that from their government. Absolutely, they do. But they're being protected by the media. They're being protected by a weaponized Department of Justice. I thought it was a great event yesterday. I thought it brought up some very appropriate points that needed to be brought up and hopefully would spark the DOJ at least to kick in a special counsel. More than 170 suspicious transaction reports. More than 100 and 70. That is jaw-dropping. Jaw-dropping. Uh, Jim Jordan had a few more things to say. Let's uh, let's get this last cut in here on this on this press event. Suspicious activity reports. The, the key word in that phrase is the word suspicious. There are 170 of those reports, many of them put together by the Treasury Department of our government in the Obama-Biden administration. So 170 of those that the committee has reviewed, thousands of pages of bank records the committee has reviewed, and that has told us that there are now multiple, as Mr. Donald just said, multiple LLCs receiving money from foreign entities and paying that money out to multiple members of the Biden family. And the fundamental question is the one Byron just raised. For what? What did they do? What was the business? What service did they provide? What value did they add? What did they do to warrant receipt of the money? That is the fundamental question. And no one seems to have an answer to that fundamental question. Nobody. The Trump family and the Trump kids, Donald Trump, they all had businesses that you could point to. They hired people. They sold things. They built things. What has the Biden family sold or built other than they sold the soul of America to help build a stronger China. 
it's really stunning to me. Nobody, nobody with a reasonable brain can think the behavior of the Biden crime family is normal and there needs to be prosecution. All right, the other big story that's out there today, and and we have to talk about the border because the border is a big stinking deal. The border is about to be overwhelmed beyond anyone's comprehension. I, I think this was a big plan, too. I think it was a huge plan by the Democrats. In fact, they've been trying to go after places like Texas and turn Texas into a blue state, a Democrat voting state. And the only way to do that is to flood it with people. Now, a lot of people have been moving to Texas because of the freedom, leaving places like California. But we're going to see what's happening with the millions who have swarmed into this country over the last two years and with the undoubted millions who are waiting and hoping to come in here. It's just wrong. And Texas, I hope you secure your border. I know you're trying to. I I know you're absolutely trying to. But the people are being shipped all over the country. The illegals who came in here and they're given a date to show up in a court, right? Sure, they're not showing up. This is just a plan to put millions of people in. We're going to eventually have some sort of blanket amnesty tried to be forced upon us. And it's not fair to the people who've A, done it the right way, and the people who are already here, who now are going to have their their workplaces flooded with people competing with them. Is that fair? If you came here legally, you deserve all the rights and privileges of being an American citizen. If you did not, if you came here illegally, you're going to drive down wages. You're going to make the schools overcrowded. You're going to find a way to vote. You know they are. We, we've got no integrity left in our elections, in my opinion. And now citizens are starting to wake. Chicago's outgoing mayor, Mayor Lutefoot. Yes, I know it's Lightfoot. Mayor Lutefoot declared a state of emergency over the number of peoples swarming the streets. And now it's starting to wake up people who live in Chicago. It's starting to have an effect on the local neighborhoods in Chicago. The South Shore neighborhood of Chicago had a meeting because the people learned that there were going to be a couple of hundred illegals housed in an old school in their neighborhood, and they're not happy about it. What's important is that we really establish that this is a humanitarian crisis, and we're here. South Shore residents responded with resounding rejection. While this crisis may constitute an emergency for the city of Chicago, it does not constitute an emergency for the South Shore community. Incoming migrants have overwhelmed district police stations by the hundreds. It's my turn. It's my turn. Hello. But city leaders could barely eke out a word of the details about a proposed respite center at the former South Shore High School. When it comes to the total number of people at South Shore at any given point in time, it is fluid. We'd start with 250, 500. How could you do that without consulting us? I am concerned with safety in the area. Yeah, you would think so. Chicago's had a crime problem ever since Democrats took control with radical progressives at the head, like Lori Lutefoot. And now they've got an influx of illegals being shipped there because uh, Texas governor is sending them up there on buses. Governor Abbott sending them up there on buses. It's good for him. He's got tens of thousands hitting his borders every week. Chicago's got a couple thousand. Deal with it, Mayor Lutefoot. I'm glad the people are finally waking up because we don't know who these people are. We don't know where they've come from. We don't know what they've done. We don't know their history. We don't know if they're good people or bad people. You would hope that people want to come to America would like to be dreamers who actually wanted the American dream. Well, they would do that legally, wouldn't they? No. No, they've swarmed the borders. And as I've looked at a lot of the video, where are these families we have told? Oh, they risked life and limb to come here. These families, the mom and dad and the kid or two. No, it looks like all uh, adult men. It looks like all adult men. 
And then there is the Democrat take on this, because uh, Democrats are telling us just how altruistic they are and how how great it's going to be to get these aliens here, these illegal aliens here. We need them here and they're going to live the American dream. Well, one congressman put his foot in his mouth yesterday. And he's done that before. His name is Hank Johnson. He's from the 4th Congressional District out of Georgia. You remember him from 2007 when he was quizzing Admiral Robert Willard because Hank Johnson, a mental midget, believed that if too many people were on the island of Guam, that it would tip over. He actually said that in a congressional hearing in case you haven't heard it. Yeah, my, my fear is that... Uh the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and, uh, and capsize. Does this guy have any idea how ridiculous and stupid he sounds? He must not. He must not. That was 2007. He said a lot of dumb things as well about helium balloons in the recent past. But Hank Johnson wants us to know that uh, we need illegals here. We need them because we won't be able to eat if we don't have them here. Those folk who are coming across are the ones who are helping to put food on our table. Without them, we're not able to eat. If you, if you turn them away, if, if all of them were uh, turned away, and then you, this legislation passed, making it easier to get at people who are already here legally, and you have no immigration, then we would have no food on our plates. We would have no, nobody taking care of uh, the building, the construction of our uh, homes. We would have nobody cleaning up in the hospitals. Hmm. Nobody cleaning up in the hospitals. Nobody picking food and putting it in our stores. Sounds a little bit racist to me. It sounds a little stereotyping to me, doesn't it? He's worried that without illegals, we won't eat. Those folk who are coming across are yeah. the ones who are helping to put food on our table. Without them, we're not able to eat. Hmm. That would be considered racist if we had equal application of the outrage. If that were a Republican, the Democrats would be standing up and screaming racist. But then again... I'm old enough to remember when Nancy Pelosi, yes, Nancy Pelosi, former Speaker of the House, who Donald Trump called stupid last night was fabulous or crazy, I'll forget which. Uh, but uh, Nancy Pelosi said, we need those illegals in America so they can pick the crops. The fact is, is that uh, we have a responsibility to secure our border. We also have a responsibility to recognize the importance of newcomers to our nation. Right now, the best thing that we can do for our economy is to have comprehensive immigration reform. We have a shortage of workers in our country. And you see even in Florida, some of the farmers and the growers saying, why are you shipping these uh, immigrants uh, up north? We need them to pick the crops down here. Hmm. So that's what the immigrants are coming here to do. Just pick the crops. They're not people who want to go to school and learn and study and improve America. They just want to pick the crops. These Democrats, it must be great to be a Democrat. They are so racist, and they can just be racist out front. Just say it. Absolutely say it. House leader Hakeem Jeffries, the guy who Nancy Pelosi anointed to carry on her mission, he's the minority leader right now, uh, is uh, though wanting us to all know that Nancy Pelosi is strong and serious and intellectually powerful. Well, Speaker Pelosi is as strong and as serious uh, and as uh, intellectually powerful as it gets with a core sense of right and wrong. Hmm. But she wants the people coming across the border to pick the crops, right? Boy, oh boy, oh boy. All right, let's talk a little bit about Donald John Trump. Last night, Donald John Trump crushing it on CNN I thought it was an amazing night. Any night's a good night when you, you tick off AOC, right? Uh, you know, I, I know you said earlier that you will not comment on the platforming of um, such atrocious disinformation, but I would. I think it was a profoundly irresponsible decision. I don't think that it would 
I would be doing my job if I did not say that. Um, and what we saw tonight was a series of extremely irresponsible decisions that put a sexual abuse victim at risk, that put that person at risk in front of a national audience. And I could not have disagreed with it more. It was. Yeah. Yeah. She's stunned. Uh, somebody wrote that for her. Somebody wrote that for her. Uh, Donald Trump was great, though. He really was fantastic last night. It was great to see him back in, in form. Uh, there were some solid questions from the audience, too. A lady named Daniela, uh, a New Hampshire voter, asked Donald Trump a question about our energy independence because that was a important topic last night as well as the other confrontational topics. My question is regarding the economy. Over the past two years, we have seen the prices for everything skyrocket. From food to gas to utilities and insurance costs, many people's bills are up several hundred dollars a month, including mine. If elected president again, what is the first thing you would do to help bring down the cost to make things more affordable? Drill, baby, drill. It's a great answer. It's an absolutely correct answer, too. Uh, Donald Trump continues. So, we were energy independent. We were soon going to be energy dominant. And nobody had ever done what I did. We got oil down to $1.87. Actually, it fell lower than that in some cases. He means gasoline was $1.87 a gallon at one point. I think when he left office, it was two dollars and twenty-four cents a gallon. It's now averaging over three thirty a gallon nationally. Sorry to interrupt, Mr. President. To save the oil companies, the the price was getting so. We were doing incredibly. We had the greatest economy in the history of our country, probably the greatest economy in the history of the world. We we're energy independent, soon to be energy dominant. We were going to be bigger than Russia and Saudi Arabia put together times two. We have more liquid gold under our feet than any other nation, any other nation. And these stupid fools ended it. And energy went from a dollar eighty seven and even lower for gasoline for a car. They went from a dollar eighty seven to five, six, seven, eight and even nine dollars. And your electricity bills went through the roof. Your heating bills went through the roof. And that's what started inflation. And it hasn't stopped because people are paying now for bacon and for eggs and for the two and three times what it was just a little while ago. He's right. When you raise the price of fuel, it costs more to get stuff from point A to point B. And that cost is passed on to the consumer. Drill, baby, drill. Mr. President... You were right on. Spot on, sir. CNN tried to uh, use the events of Tuesday where E. Jean Carroll had a court find in her favor saying that Donald Trump was liable for a sexual assault and for defamation of E. Jean Carroll. He was not, not found liable for rape in the civil case. Uh, CNN tried to lay a trap, and apparently Mr. Trump stomped on it. New York, I want to ask you about a significant verdict that was reached yesterday. I know this is something you want to weigh in on as well. A Manhattan jury found that sure. you sexually abused the writer E. Jean Carroll and defamed her. You've denied this. But what do you say to voters who say it disqualifies you from being president? Well, there aren't too many of them because my poll numbers just came out. They went up. Okay. <laughs> they did. He still got to overcome... The drop in suburban women, that's that demographic that the pollsters always like to talk about. There's going to be a little bit of a challenge there. It was an interesting battle last night between uh, Caitlin Collins, the moderator, and Mr. Trump. I think Trump came out ahead. But here's the weird part that nobody's talking about, or maybe only a couple people are. This was supposed to be 90 minutes. 90 minutes. 45 minutes into it, they took a 10-minute commercial break. And Donald Trump was absolutely hammering CNN and hammering Caitlin Collins and obviously besting her on virtually every topic. And then they came back from that commercial break and there was yet another commercial break in about 10 minutes. And I thought, this is weird. They went 45 minutes, then a break, and then it was about 10 minutes in a break. And then they came back and they were standing. They weren't sitting in the two chairs, which I said, that's weird too. And then suddenly, after a couple more contentious 
discussions between Trump and Collins, she kept interrupting him as he was trying to make a longer point. Uh, they ended it. They ended it before we were 70 minutes into the town hall and they went to CNN's panels. Why did they end it? Was CNN getting so much flack? Were so many people calling the network and saying, this is terrible. You're giving him a platform. He's going to win this. I think they were. Donald Trump did, did get a good shot in, verbal shot, on Caitlin Collins. What's you the mind? answer? Can I, do you mind? I would like for you to answer the okay, question. Okay, it's very simple to That's answer. That's why I asked it. It's very simple to, you're a nasty person, I'll tell you. I don't disagree. And she did come in fighting, but she was rude in many cases, I thought. Rude. Just kept cutting him off. Wouldn't let him finish a point. If they didn't like the direction he was going, she would cut him off. I think it, uh, it was a big win for Donald Trump. Afterwards, there were some panels on CNN, and uh, Byron Donalds was actually invited onto CNN. Florida Congressman Byron Do Donalds, who I've said nice things about in the past and earlier on the podcast here, he, I thought, made some great points with CNN. Republican voters want him to come back. Because he's lied to them incessantly. Stop, stop, stop. He actually did the job. You know that. And frankly, he did the job better than the current president right now. And that is indisputable. Wait, 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 Name the stop. issue. So, so, Donald I, Trump I, did it better. He's right. Donald Trump did it better. Name the issue. Byron Donald's got it 100% correct. Donald Trump did it better. Instead, you have this, this mentally deficient president being led around by the nose by progressives who's telling him what he's going to do. We're going to ban gas stoves. We're going to ban dishwashers. Change the dishwashers so they don't work as efficiently. Yesterday, I, I watched the CNBC Squawk Box, and I saw the uh, Washington, D.C. Attorney General, Brian Schwalb, I think is his name. He's uh, leading the charge for the feds to oversee gas stoves and the removal, elimination of gas stoves. But that's just for you, because he has one. Do you have a gas stove in your house, Brian? I do have a gas stove in my house, and I enjoy having a gas stove, and I appreciate being able to be aware that there are risks associated with it. Yeah, so he's got one, but he doesn't want you to have one. That's the way it goes. Absolutely the way it goes. It is definitely... Just like the old Soviet Union, where the party leaders get all the good stuff and they want you, you to be stuck with whatever they decide you deserve. We're going to keep our eye on that. We will report on that. I, I'm going to take a break from uh, a little bit of this to get into a little bit of that. And what's the that I'm talking about? I'm talking about our friend, Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Roizen joins us to talk about wellness every week. And I asked him, can we talk about all the wellness stuff? But I also want to get into a story, Dr. Roizen, about the um, vaccine and boosters that the Cleveland Clinic did this study. And there may be a, uh, a reason why you should not, why you should not take another booster shot at this point until you get to the bottom of things. And we'll do that in just a few minutes, Dr. Royson. First of all, I want to say uh, you guys have been doing a great job at the Great Age Reboot, the new book, and the website, the longevityplaybook.com. Longevityplaybook.com is absolutely crushing it, Dr. Royson. Uh, the new website it works its tail off. Thank you, my friend. Great job on the website. I think they have. Thank you. Well, it's easy to use, and I, every time I get the, the twice-a-week tips in my email, I immediately go there because it, it grabs my attention. You know, they're, they're saying, hey, if you've ever wondered why fasting is good for you, here it is. Dr. Royzen, while we're talking about the website, the research you sent me this week had a really interesting piece on Internet use among seniors and how beneficial it can be. Yeah, that's correct. This was a study um, done on uh, 18,000 people um, in New York City, 
So it's an American study, and it was looked at people between 50 and 65, and how much they used the Internet. Um, it started, uh, I think it was uh, 21 years ago, so early on in the Internet, kind of 19, 2002, and tracked, they tracked their Internet usage on average, how much they used it a day, those that used it between one and two hours had a 40% reduction in dementia over mm. the course of the study. If anyone wants to check it out, it's the May 3rd issue of the Journal of the American Geriatric Society. But uh, so when you use the Internet, um, it's good for your brain. Because it's obviously making your brain work, and you're probably trying to move quickly through it. I, all those speed of processing things that you talk about. So while we're talking about the brain and we're talking about cognitive issues, deep sleep might be a buffer against Alzheimer's-linked memory loss as a headline. I, I have many questions, doctor, but um, what qualifies as deep sleep is at the top of that list? Well, it is a specific slow wave sleep pattern, you get it um, right around the REM sleep time. That is just before you have REM sleep, you often go into this slow wave pattern of sleep. So it's a deep sleep pattern um, and it is called slow wave. And when they looked at this in a large number of people, they looked at people between the ages of 54 and 62, and then followed them for a number of years, uh, 25, to see who developed dementia. And they studied them with uh, PET scans to look at their plaque burden. That is, how much amyloid did they have in the brain? This is a, a radioactive tracer that is very expensive. But in this research study, they looked at it and they found that um, those people who had the highest degree of slow wave sleep had a 27% protection against developing um, memory loss and cognitive dysfunction, even when they had the same amount of amyloid in their brain. So it wasn't the amyloid burden that was associated with the dementia. It was the lack of slow wave sleep in these people that was associated with the development of dementia. That's why they say that slow wave sleep may protect against whatever is causing dementia in the presence of amyloid and tau. Sleep is so important to our overall health, not just physical health to let your body recover and your muscles to rest, but also for your brain. And now we're learning and for your memory. It's great stuff. Dr. Rice, I got two more quick ones for you here. Uh, the number one on your list was this poor quality diet tied to a higher risk for adverse CAD PAD outcomes. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know what CAD and PAD CAD is coronary artery disease, and PAD is peripheral artery disease. And so this is um, when uh, there's an increase in, it, it, there's always a debate, does diet matter if you're on optimal medical therapy? In other words, if you're getting your cholesterol lower, your blood pressure down, does then diet still matter? And in this case of these optimally cared for patients, those who ate the worst diet had a 27% increase in um, coronary artery disease and, and peripheral artery disease compared to those who didn't do healthy eating. Now, to give you the specific, it went from 4.2% to 6.3%. Uh, and when you do all the, ad the adjustments for baseline conditions, it ends up being a 27% increase. What that means is the, the keys in getting healthy eating are avoiding red meat, avoiding processed meat, avoiding, um, and pork is a red meat, by the way, and game is a red meat, avoiding red meat, processed red meat, avoiding simple sugars, added syrups, and simple carbs. Wait a minute. I, I, Doc, they advertise pork as the other white meat. It's a red meat? Oh, I, t I think I've told you this story on my uh, 
cousin, she uh, started the Got Milk campaign, went to Wisconsin, and when she was in California, went to Wisconsin and did that for the National Milk Board, then moved to the Pork Board. Actually, she moved to a publicity agency that had that, came up with the slogan, uh, Pork the Other White Meat, It Isn't. And then she uh, moved to a uh, beverage company and was a large beverage company based in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, was the number two woman chief knowledge officer, which meant she was selling uh, sugar water to underprivileged kids around the world. Wow. I'll bet you Passover conversations are very interested in your family. <laughs> well, so she, she did retire, so I'm, I'm alone now and uh, um, can... can, can uh, have have more influence than she does right now. Well, that's good. That's good. All right, Doc, finally, um, you reminded me that we actually talked about this, a video circulating on Twitter everywhere. It's kind of gone viral, talking about the Cleveland Clinic study that shows that if you got more vaccine doses, more boosters, you were at a higher risk for more COVID cases. And is, is this a, a good reason for people to say, I'm not going to get any more boosters? Well, it's a good reason to delay it. So the key point is if you get, um, once you've gotten the third booster, the fourth booster seems to act like a allergy shot, which activates the immune system suppression of your immune, of the other immune responses. So it, activates what's called a a uh, fourth immune process that impedes the others. We think that by August that won't be true. We think, you know, this is me, um, not the official Cleveland Clinic position, but this is my individual position, would be that you should delay getting the next booster until at least five minutes, five months after the last one, preferably a little longer, and that the booster that comes in August or September, and we'll go through that then, um, when the data come out, will be a very useful booster in preventing the winter spike that's expected. I would I would hold off on another booster until you one discuss it with your practitioner, and two is. Uh, don't get it in my mind until uh, August or September. And by the way, Michael, just to add one more thing, yeah, if we've got time, we'll probably recommend a different vaccine type than has been common, meaning it may not be the mRNA vaccine that's recommended in the fall. So again, but we will keep people updated. And we will update that story because we talk to Dr. Royson pretty much every week. And you should also pay attention to what's going on with what's coming out of the longevityplaybook.com website because I'm sure there'll be information for you there as well. My friend, always a pleasure. And I always learn like 10 things, not just one thing. I always learn like 10 things. And now I know your family was involved in so many interesting advertising campaigns. We'll talk again next week. 